Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 211. Food, glorious food. This week's podcast episode is dedicated to discussing the ins and outs of food available on your Royal Caribbean cruise. From what's included to extra cost options, we break down what first-time Royal Caribbean cruisers can expect to find to eat and drink during their cruise vacation. Here we go. There's no question that dining on a Royal Caribbean cruise has become a major aspect of the cruise experience. The food available on board ranges from simple to classic to extravagant and contemporary. In short, there are a lot of great dining choices available on a Royal Caribbean cruise. And this week, I wanted to talk about food. Well, I always want to talk about food on this podcast and I think about it. But reality is I wanted to talk about food as it relates to what to expect on a Royal Caribbean cruise. If you're new to Royal Caribbean, whether you're new to cruising in general or just Royal Caribbean, you know, dining on board is an aspect of the cruise experience that, you know, a lot of people have questions about in terms of how it all works because different cruise lines handle differently. And if you're new to cruising, well, there's a whole lot more to learn about. So when we talk about food on a Royal Caribbean ship, there's two basic categories we're talking about, complimentary food and paid food. Let's start with the complimentary food. Simply put, there is lots of great food that's included with the cost of your cruise. So what complimentary food is. Basically, with your cruise fare, not only do you get your stateroom, but you also get plenty of food included in your cruise. And you can go from start to finish without paying a dime for any extra food and be perfectly satisfied and filled and not hungry. There's a lot of great food. It's it, it, To try to explain it, if, if someone is listening to this podcast who's been on a Royal Caribbean cruise or two before, they're all probably giggling to this podcast because they know what I'm trying to explain is that there's a lot of food between the dining rooms, counter service locations, different stands here and there. There's just a lot of food available on the ship. So the if you have any fears of going on this cruise and being hungry or not finding enough to eat, I don't think that's going to be a concern for very long. You'll quickly discover there's quite a bit. Uh, to, to, to eat and to enjoy. And like I said earlier in the, at the very top of this episode, there's a lot, there's wide range of food involved. Now, it probably makes the most sense to start with the main dining room. It's really the hub of dining on board your Royal Caribbean ship. And odds are you're going to have at least one meal a day here. Usually that's dinner, although you can also have breakfast and even lunch on some days in the main dining room. And the main dining room is, it's it's an institution is what it is. Obviously, the main dining room is something uh, that has been part of cruising for year decades even centuries quite honestly and the principles remain the same although it's it's certainly changed over the years basically you go to the dining room for dinner every night you are seated at a table and wait staff bring you food that you order from the menu the vast majority of the menu that you have in the main dining room is complimentary it's just a list of items you pick whichever you'd like you pick as much as you want you don't have to limit yourself to just one entree one appetizer one dessert you can order literally everything on the menu if you want you can order six of the chickens on there and two spaghettis and five French onion soups. I mean, I don't know. That's quite a bit, obviously, but you can do that. There's no additional cost to doing so. The only thing that costs extra in the main dining room in terms of what's on your menu is there are some upsell options. Typically, there's a steak or a lobster option that come from one of the specialty dining restaurants on board. And that's basically someone who really, if you want a filet mignon or you want lobster, any day that you're in the main dining room for dinner, you can order that. Now, to say, well, is there steak and lobster otherwise on the on the menu? Yes, there is. But as an example, lobster usually only materializes on the second formal night of a cruise. And steaks come in different forms, right? There's going to be a beef tenderloin. There's going to be a prime rib. There's going to be a, a strip steak at some other point. But obviously, sometimes you, should, sometimes you feel like just have, I want to have a lobster right now. And you can order that. So it's an option, but not necessarily something that I think many people quite honestly engage in. But like I said, 
the appetizers, entrees, desserts, plenty come in there, and it's all included, so you don't have to worry about it. And this is true, by the way, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, when it comes down to how the dining room functions, there's two basic choices. You have traditional dining and my time dining. Traditional dining, there's two set times, uh, early and late. It's usually early as 6, and usually late is 8, 8.30, somewhere in that ballpark. And basically, when you if you're in traditional dining, you're assigned to a table, and you have the same table and same wait staff and same table mates every night of the cruise. Sometimes you will be seen with other people that you don't know. Sometimes not. It's kind of a random occurrence. I've experienced both. I really don't mind either one. I like conversation, and I've had pretty good luck with the table mates there. And if you're wondering, well, what happens to the people I'm sitting with are horrible? What if, they, what if I don't get along with them? What if they're weird? What if I'm weird? I don't want to sit with them. That's okay, too. There are ways around. You can speak to the head waiter on board the ship and make a change there. The other option is something called my time dining, and this is a alternative to traditional dining where it's a first-come, first-served dining option. Both traditional and my time dining offer the exact same menu. The difference is basically how you're seeing with my time. It's almost like going to – think of it like going to a restaurant in your local town, right? If you were to go, you have the option. You can either just show up to the restaurant and hope they have availability for you with the knowledge you may have to wait for a table, or you can call ahead and make a reservation. Same is true for My Time Dining, and we will post a link in our show notes at royalcommandblog.com for more information about how that works. Regardless if it's traditional or My Time Dining, every night of the cruise in the main dining room, the menu changes. So there is going to be a different menu every night, although there are, there is a section of the menu, a subsection, I should say, of the entrees, really, that remains the same. So it was a fallback. It's kind of like how I look at it. It's like, you know, there's a chicken, there's a a fish, a pasta dish, and you can always you know use that as your backup in case nothing else looks of, of interest to you. And uh, breakfast and lunch is uh, obviously a little less formal than dinner, but same basic concept. Although there is no traditional or my time, it's all for breakfast and dinner. It is first come, first served. Simple as that. The main dining room does have a dress code. Dinner has a dress code that changes every day, while breakfast and lunch have a more casual dress code requirement. And we guess here's I know when you hear the word dress code, you're like thinking, oh boy, here we go. What t- how many tuxedos do I need to book for this, you know, pack for this cruise? It's not like that at all. It's it's there's a whole different discussion about formal nights and what to wear, but it'll be laid out for you. But it's it's pretty it's a lot more casual than the word formal may lead you to believe. Now the other big part of the complimentary dining is the Windjammer Cafe. Of course, here on this podcast we refer to it as the Windjammer. It's an old joke uh, that my uh, youngest sister started. Uh, inadvertently, she thought it was literally pronounced the Windjammer, and we're like, no, it's pronounced the Windjammer. But in our family, we call it the Windjammer, and here on the podcast, we do the same thing. And the Windjammer is a buffet restaurant that also is included with the cost of your cruise, and it serves meals throughout the day. In fact, it's all it's open most of the day, not all the day, not twenty four hours, not even you know from nine to five or anything like. It, it's there's set times, but most of the day, you're gonna have you know breakfast will start at as early as about 7 a.m., and then it goes all the way to, like, 11 a.m., and then lunch starts, like, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, and then that goes to, like, 3, and then there's, like, snacks served, and then dinner's from, like, 6 to 9, 9.30. You know, you get the sense of it, right? And you're going to find a wide variety of food. In fact, this will be – the Windjammer has the widest variety of food available on the ship. You're going to find burgers, soup, sandwiches, ethnic dishes, salads, pastas, cooking stations, and a whole lot more Really, this is the reason why I love the Windjammer is because of the selection, the variety of food. Sometimes you feel like a burger, sometimes your kids feel like chicken, and sometimes you feel like having pasta. And it's just it's easy going. It's easy in, easy out. And unlike the main dining room, 
The dress code for the Windjammer is casual, and also unlike the Windjammer, unlike the main dining room, rather. In the Windjammer, you guests serve themselves from the buffet and then bring their food to a table in the Windjammer. In fact, you can actually take your food and go somewhere else on the ship if you wanted to. But uh, guests are free to take their food and sit wherever they like, depending on their ship and which ship you happen to be on. There's seating inside. There's Some ships offer seating outside as well. But there's lots of different seating with different views by the water. It's really nice. What I like about the obviously the Windjammer is the, it's a great alternative to any sit-down restaurant experience, including the, the main dining room. And what's nice about it is it's just casual. It's easy. In, easy in, easy out. And a lot of guests, actually, and I'm sure there's some folks who are listening to this podcast right now who are nodding their heads, you know, opt to eat exclusively at the Windjammer for dinner instead of the main dining room for a variety of reasons. Just, you know, different strokes for different folks. So certainly... That's something to keep in mind. But I think when you're talking about complimentary food on a Royal Caribbean cruise, the main dining room and the Windjammer are the two number one, number two places most people go. Now, in addition to that, there's still even more food for you. You're going to find a lot of what I call quick service, grab-and-go type places. These are places where uh, the food is including the cost of your cruise, and you can just literally walk in. Grab something and then go. You can either eat it there, or bring it somewhere else. These are places that offer like things like sandwiches, hot dogs, pizza, snacks, and really everything else in between. Again, it depends on the ship you're going on, but there's options for you throughout the day that you can also use. This is really more of a convenience thing, right? I think most people happen to be, I was walking by and I got a slice of pizza, or you know, you just want something really easy and quick. And what's nice about places like Sorrento's or Cafe Promenade or Cafe Latitudes is that it allows you to uh, not only get food conveniently, but also it's open during maybe sometimes where the main dining room and or the Windjamer are not open. So that allows you just you know more flexibility and, and and whatnot. Now, the last option has changed a little bit, room service. And Royal Caribbean has changed its room service options. It used to be complimentary, but now there's a service cost associated to it. Although there is one exception for breakfast. There's a continental breakfast option, which you can order through room service. And that is still, there's no service charge with that. So it's complimentary. The continental breakfast menu is a little more limited. It's more of a you know, cold menu, I want to call it that. But uh, you have other options as well. And room service is a lot like room service. Basically, any hotel you've ever stayed at is you order the room service. It's delivered to you at a certain amount of time. And the difference is now with Royal Caribbean is room service is available 24 hours, but you're assessed a $7.95 surcharge per order. So whether you order one thing or 20 things, it's just that one $7.95 charge. So obviously, the more you order, the better that value is for you. And I might say, well, why would I do that? Well, it's really about convenience. That's always what room service is all about, right? Sometimes you have a really long day at port. You're sitting by the pool all day. You just need something easy, quick. Hey, that's what room service is for. And it's it's pretty simple to do. You can order it via the phone on by by calling up the service. In fact, m- some Royal Caribbean ships offer you the ability to order room service through the televisions. There's an interactive screen there in which you can uh, you can do that. So, you know, room service is something that is, is available to you. I think with the service charge, there's there's a whole discussion about that that we don't have time to get into. But I can tell you that at least it is an option for you. And if you're ordering a big amount of food, you know, maybe you're ordering for the whole family or maybe another room next to you, you know, your your, your extended family, your friends, and you want to share something, it it's not a terrible way to spend eight bucks. And it's certainly convenient and allows you guys to continue enjoying or relaxing in your stateroom without having to get up and, and go out there. So Something to keep in mind. Now, that basically covers the gamut of complimentary food. And these are that was food essentially included in your cruise fare, no additional cost. Now, then there's something called specialty dining. And this is specialty dining, something that's really become more and more popular over the years. This is food that costs you extra 
on top of whatever you paid. And you pay for it either before the cruise via like a cruise planner or you can pay for it once you're on board the ship. But the bottom line is it costs you more than what the cruise fare included. So uh, the exact amount will vary from restaurant to restaurant and ship to ship. But in most cases, especially restaurants, offer an even greater variety of food choices than what's available at your complimentary dining locations. Rockham has designed especially restaurants to around different themes or cuisines like maybe Italian or steak, sushi, Mexican, etc. And Basically, there are these. In, I think almost all these cases we're talking about, especially restaurants. Uh, basically, you, it's, it's just like the my time example I gave you before. The restaurants you you can either show up and hope they have a table for you. You can make a reservation ahead of time. It's up to you. But they're either going to fall into one of two categories in terms of pricing. They're either going to be a cover charge or they're going to be a la carte. With a cover charge, there's one price for all the food on the menu except for beverages. There can be also a surcharge for ordering more than one entree, although this rule varies based on the specialty restaurant you happen to be dining at. The other one is a la carte dining, and in this case, you're charged for what you order. And it's similar to how your food is billed at a conventional land-based restaurant, right? I want to order one of those, one of those, and one of those. Okay, you're only charged for that. Whereas the cover charge is whether you order one thing on the menu or 50 things on the menu, it's just one nominal fee. Now, specialty dining can be booked prior to a cruise via Royal Caribbean's website or once on board, and it's just charged your CPAS card, obviously, if you're on board the ship. Otherwise, when you book it online, it is charged to your credit card at that time. The obvious question a lot of first-timer cruises have is, do I need to, or, do I need to eat at specialty dining? Is this, is this critical? Is it nice to have? Is it even worth it at all? And the answer is going to very much depend. I think, in my heart of hearts, if you're going like on a seven-night cruise, which is you know like an average amount of time, I think... One to two specialty restaurants are a nice way to spice up the cruise. It's not to say that you need to eat a specialty restaurant. You don't. You can go the whole cruise without eating at any of these. Be perfectly fine. Have a great cruise and certainly come away very, very full and, and enjoy the food that you dine there. But, you know, sometimes you want to have some sushi or you want to have a really good steak or you want to have a fancy dinner with your significant other and someone that's a little more uh, intimate than perhaps the dining room. This is what it's for. I mean, it's probably no secret why specialty dining has become as popular as it has because people really do enjoy it. They like getting a little more variety in terms of the food they offer or the ambiance or the experience. And with things like dining packages, which we've talked about on previous episodes of this podcast, it's made it even easier to do so. I think if you're new to cruising, if you've never done specialty dining before, my recommendation is try one or two. Just and I want you don't even have to make a reservation ahead of time. Making reservations makes your life easier, but it's not critical, and I think you'll be okay just as long as you're a little bit flexible on board the ship. You know, when you go there and say, "Hey, can we stop in for dinner one night?" and they might say, "Okay, well, how about you know we can do any night except for night four. Okay, that's fine with me. You know, you can work around their schedule, but I think it's perfectly fine, and I think it's something that I wouldn't necessarily say, "Oh, go for all specialty dining off the bat." That's a disservice to the great food you find on in the complimentary food, and I don't. Quite frankly, I don't think it's quite that necessary. But I think that as you start to cruise more and more, you either find yourself in one or two camps. Either you're saying to yourself, "I'd love to do more specialty dining," or you might say to yourself, hey, "It's nice, but I kind of like the food that's offered on the cruise." And there's nothing wrong with either choice. Quite honestly, it really um, is, is up to you. Now, in terms of well, how much do these specialty restaurants cost, Matt? It, it varies from ship to ship, even sailing to sailing. Most specialty dining has a flat fee surcharge ranging from like $6.95 per person, like at Johnny Rockets, to $25 at Giovanni's table, $85 at Chef's table. But I think most specialty dining restaurant cover charges fall into the ballpark of $20 to $45 range. The a la carte price restaurants will have item prices just a few dollars to around $20 per item. It just depends. And again, you have to look at the particular ship. So, you know, 
something definitely came out. Now we're talking about kids. That's a really good consideration, right? Well, the, you know, everything I've said so far is really aimed at adults. I think for kids, you can bring kids, especially restaurants. They're very much welcome to, in fact. And kids ages six to twelve can dine at specialty restaurants for an eight dollar cover charge. Kids that are five years old and under eat free, so don't worry about them. In either case, do not make reservations for children online via Roker means website because of the special pricing you can't do it online so what you do instead is you book it for the adults and then when you show up you mention oh by the way we also have you know one two three four kids whatever the case may be so keep that in mind in fact uh, some of the restaurants also some especially restaurants offer kids menus as well so you can definitely take advantage of that in the main dining room there's a there's a kids menu and in the Windsor you're going to find plenty of food the kids are going to love my kids just they always want to go to the Windjammer. That's just their favorite place, other than the pizza place. That's like their other favorite place to eat at. Now, if you have a dietary restriction, that's a really common question. I have a special, whether it's a it's a dietary like it's a health issue or you just you know a special request, right? You're vegetarian because that's at a, a preference. Regardless, Rockerman is really very accommodating when it comes to guests who have special dietary needs. The cruise line can handle a number of requests, such as. Food allergies, gluten-free, kosher, low-fat, low-sodium, quite easily. Uh, vegetarian meals, including Indian-style vegetarian, are available on all menus in the dining room and Windermere Cafe every day. So you don't really need to make reser- uh, requests for that that are beyond above and beyond what's you know currently available. I think you'll be perfectly good there. If you're into a, if you have a lactose-free soy milk, ensure and kosher meals are available at no extra charge. But you do need to let Royal Caribbean know at least 45 days prior to sailing or 90 days prior to sailing. For European and South American itineraries. For any and all dietary requests, here's what you want to do. And I would probably advise you, even if you maybe fell into one of the categories I said earlier, just to cover your base is not a bad idea. Contact your travel agent or Royal Caribbean vacation planner and re- request that the the dietary request or restriction be noted in your reservation details. The other thing you can do is send an email request to special underscore needs at rccl.com, special underscore needs at rccl.com, and included in the email, the guest names, booking number, ship name, and sale date. You'll get an automated response back, but you should do all that. So if you want to have a special request, let your travel agent know, send that email, that way you're all covered, and you'll they'll be prepared for you. Now, it's not that you have to do this, quite honestly. I've done this in the, in the past, I've, I think I've talked about it on the podcast, where when I go to the main dining room on my Royal Caribbean cruises, I enjoy... Indian food because I just think it tastes really good. And I've often, I think every Royal Caribbean cruise I've been on the last, I don't know how many years, I've always asked on night one to the main dining, to the head waiter in the main dining room, can I get every evening going forward a, an Indian uh, dish every night to augment the, the menu? And they absolutely have no problems with that at all. The key is you want to make reservations or requests it rather in advance. What you don't want to do is show up to the main dining room and, you know, you have, uh, you know, you're, you're, you have some special need that is not covered under the normal available options there. Or like in my case, let me use my Indian food as an example here and then say, oh, can I get you know an Indian dish here tonight? They're going to tell me no because it's not on the menu and they can't get it. What they will tell me is actually, uh, sir, no, we can't do that for you tonight, but we can get it for you tomorrow. They usually need like 24-hour heads up and then they can make that kind of request. So just keep that in mind. I do think though, obviously, if you have a, a health need, you have a special request a dietary request that you need to make, make that ahead of time via the email. But if it's more of a preference, if it's like, you know, you're a vegetarian and you're finding the vegetarian options limited or or you kind of hit them all, right? You say, well, I really don't want another pasta dish. I need something a little bit different. That's when you can talk to the head waiter and make a request right there on the spot. They're very accommodating. Just have to understand that when you make the request, there's a little bit of lead time required in order for it to be fulfilled. But all in all, the food on Royal Caribbean ships are 
is really good. I've, I've often said that I think the food ranges from satisfactory slash good to excellent phenomenal. Most of the food probably falls in, especially the complimentary food, falls into the, you know, that good to very good range. And you've got some outliers on both sides. I've certainly never left a Royal Caribbean cruise hungry, although I will tell you about an hour afterwards I might get hungry again. <laughs> but there's really a wonderful array of food to enjoy on a Royal Caribbean cruise. And you don't have to pay for it. The I know there's a lot of things, a lot of attention. In fact, on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, I spent a lot of time talking about food that costs extra. But it's an option for you to have. And I like having the choice. I like having the option to do so. And if I want to in, indulge in it, that to me is power because I have that choice. If it was, you know, some people say, well, Matt, why can't they just all include it in the in, in your cruise fare and then, you know, just make it simpler? Yeah, that would make it simpler. But at the end of the day, then we'd all be paying for food we wouldn't necessarily want to or or would definitely order if we were paying for it on our own. And, you know, I'd rather pay a lower price and then add on, customize my dining experience because the way that I eat is different than how you eat and how somebody else eats. And I think that that's the power of this opportunity. So, yes, there are specialty restaurants, there are dining packages, but it's not to say that you have to you have to go for one or the other. It's not you know, it's it's a choice, a personal choice that you can make and something that you can uh, consider. Now, there's one other thing we probably need to talk about, which is drinks. Because we're talking about food, I know we're always talking about like you know, like you know, breads and meats and whatnot. But drinks are a big part of the cruise experience. As well, because regardless if you're drinking alcohol or just water, I think a really common question among first time cruisers is what drinks are included with my cruise and what other drinks are do I have to pay for? So let's start with the drinks that are included in your cruise. The drinks included are tap water. Milk, tea, coffee, both regular and decaf, lemonade, iced tea, flavored waters. At breakfast, you've got juices. These are not the fresh squeezed juices. These are like, you know, out of a carton, obviously. And hot chocolate via instant packets. These drinks are available throughout your cruise at a number of locations. So there will always be somewhere to get something to drink for free. You're never going to run into a situation where there won't be anything for you complimentary to drink. As I mentioned, these options are available throughout the ship, and you can definitely take that. Now, what drinks cost extra? Soda, beer, wine, liquor, cocktails, premium coffee and tea. If you're wondering what the heck is premium coffee, Matt, basically lattes, macchiatos, things with espresso in them. Bottled water, both still or sparkling, and fresh squeezed juice. Now, of course, if you're interested in any of these, I would probably recommend taking a good hard look at one of the beverage packages that are available. And we've talked about this on the podcast many, 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 many times. But the, the drink packages allow you to basically... Uh, offset the total cost and kind of pay down the price. So that way you're not paying as much necessarily, but it depends on you and how much you're going to drink. So something to consider. It's not a must do kind of thing. If that makes any kind of sense. Now you can get some premium beverages for free. Uh, the certain parties and events on board the ship offer complimentary drinks. If you're staying in a suite, that's a, bu- a grand suite or above. So not junior suites, but anything grand suite or above you have access to the concierge lounge and which has some of these drinks included as well. So, you know, there are some ways around some of these other pricing for the drinks, but uh, just like the food, there is plenty to drink on board the ship. The water is very safe to drink. It's actually far more filtered than the water you probably have at home. And it all of it is, again, you can easily go on the whole cruise, never pay a dime for food, never pay a dime for a drink, and not be parched, not be starving. I generally like the, the food on Royal Caribbean. I've, like I said, I've, I've cruised for many, many years. Food is a very subjective subject, obviously, and I often bring up the subject of, you know, when people say, oh, I don't like the food in Royal Caribbean. It's awful. You've probably read those kind of comments before, right? And I often, my rebuttal is, okay, well, how many people here like broccoli, right? 
Not, forget Royal Caribbean. Just how many people here like broccoli? Because I could probably find 100 people who will raise their hands, including myself, who will raise their hands and say, I love broccoli. It's great. And I'll find another 100 people that will tell you, broccoli is the worst. I can't even imagine eating that like my wife. And there's no one wrong. There's just different tastes. That's how. That's what makes people people. So don't read too much into online reviews and whatnot. I think you're going to find food that you're going to enjoy there. And it's it's a little bit of experimentation. What's nice about being on a cruise is you can try different things. You know, in the main dining room, in the Windjamer, you see something on the buffet or you see something on the menu, you say, hmm, you know, I've never actually had that before. I know a lot of people like it. Maybe I should try it. Sure, why not? Because what's the worst that happens? You give it back. I don't like it. Okay, no problem at all. So there you go. And that uh, that's our overview of food on a Royal Caribbean ship. Now I'm hungry. So I'm going to go grab something to eat, and we'll answer some listener questions right after that. All right, let's answer your listener emails. And our first email to us this week comes to us from Ron Ladowski, where I just finished listening to a Royal Caribbean blog podcast episode 210, Should I Upgrade? And let me just say it was entertaining as usual. I am sure some of your listeners are thinking to themselves, wait a minute, what is the guy talking about? The podcast released on Wednesday. Everyone knows that. As a Royal Caribbean blog insider, we get the benefit of hearing the podcast a day earlier than the regular listening public. This is the first shameless plug. Getting to my point. During the listener email portion, you read an email from Glenn in Nashville concerning the ins and outs of 10 during a Royal Caribbean's private island of Coco Cay with his 10-year-old daughter. You had several good suggestions, but you're missing one of which listeners could consider when booking a Royal Caribbean cruise. In October 2015, my wife, while cruising on Freedom of the Seas, visited Coco Cay when, while staying in a grand suite. One day on the day of arrival, we were instructed to meet in the concierge lounge and meet with our concierge, Raul. When we were ready to disembark, he directed us to an, to an elevator for our private use and quickly got us to Deck 2. Upon reaching Deck 2, he escorted us around the waiting passengers and directly to the head of the line for tender boarding. Upon arrival to the ship, he spotted us again and waved us past the returning passengers to immediately board the tender boat. This is one of the small additional benefits of staying at a Grand Suite or higher, or Sky or Star Class, when cruising Royal Caribbean. Hassle-free tendering, or has been said many other times, ah, the sweet life. Looking forward to finally meeting you, your lovely wife, and your children on the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, along with the other Royal Caribbean bloggers who will be on board the seven-night Western Caribbean group cruise on the biggest cruise ship in the world, Harmony of the Seas. Second shameless plug. I like many. I like many others will be wearing the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise T-shirt, which I purchased on your website. Third shameless plug. <laughs> Love, Ron. Thank you for the email. Great point about concierge. And there are some benefits, little small benefits, but they do add up with the uh, with booking a suite. And sometimes they're not all you know obvious. They're not all something you can add dollars and cent values to. But I can tell you, having a kid, yeah, it does make a big difference, you know? Next, we have an email from Lucia who writes, I have an update for Christy from Texas. Thank you so much for the tips, Christy. I had not even considered snacks and baby food for my upcoming cruise. My twins are just still on milk, but that's a great tip. Actually, the trip on Harmony of the Seas got postponed from because one of my brothers couldn't make it. The But the, the consolation is that instead of Harmony in March, we'll be going to Symphony of the Seas in May. I'm super excited to be going on, a, on this kind of ship, but a little nervous about taking three kids under five years old and all the way to Barcelona. This trip will be 10 days long, and we'll have to take a bunch of diapers and advantage, take advantage of Royal Caribbean service where they have diapers waiting for you in your room. I'll have to let you guys know how that goes, and I promise to keep all my cruise compasses for you, Matt. I'll also take requests or questions in advance for you guys can that you want me to check out and report back. I will also try to convince everyone, all 20 of us, to do a private journeys excursion. So I'll let you know how that goes and if it's worth it for European ports. So... Thank you, Lucia. And by the way, Lucia posted a phonetical explanation of how to pronounce her name, which I appreciate because I probably would have called you Lucia otherwise. So thank you, Lucia. And great to hear that 
to some of the advice that Chris and I shared about uh, packing for kids and uh, planning for kids on a welcoming cruise has worked out for you. Next, we have an email from Elsa Marr who writes, What do you advise booking a Central Park view balcony or a boardwalk view balcony on Symphony of the Seas? Do we get to see the sea on a boardwalk balcony? Thank you very much. Good question. So on Oasis-class ships, you have neighborhood balconies. So instead of a traditional balcony that faces the ocean, you have these neighborhood balconies that face inwards, uh, in this case Central Park or the boardwalk. On With boardwalk view balconies, depending on where your balcony is, yes, theoretically you can poke your head over the side of the balcony and look and see the ocean. It depends on how close you are to the end of the ship or not. Uh, so can you see the ocean? Yeah, a little bit, especially if you're one of the, I would say, the last ten staterooms on the deck uh, towards the towards the back of the ship, that is. But it's not to say that it's really anything remotely close to like what an ocean-facing balcony is. I like them both, though. I like the neighborhood balconies since they're a little bit cheaper. You get some neighborhood ba- balcony perks. And I like the people-watching aspect. I think it's a lot more interesting. But my wife would disagree with me and say, no, no I like the, the ocean-facing balcony. So to each their own. Which would I pick? I like Central Park better. I think Central Park is just a little more pretty. It's it's at night. It's just gorgeous, and I love it. I would freely admit the boardwalk balcony rooms have a little more going on. I mean, you've got a lot more activities in the boardwalk. Thus, if your goal is to have a boardwalk that has provides you with something to watch, something to look at, that's not a bad one as well. But I've done both. I just personally prefer Central Park, but that's just it's, it's that goes back to my broccoli comment from earlier in this episode, right? It's kind of like just how I. My personal preference. None of neither of them are a mistake by any means. I just personally prefer Central Park because that's how I roll. I'm a Central Park kind of guy. But good question, Elsa. Thank you for sending it in. Our next email to, comes to us from Jim from Plainfield, Illinois. Love the show. Miss you and the gang of WGW today. Question: We're going to on a Caribbean cruise in the fall of 2019. When does Royal Caribbean release cruises for this time of year? I see that you have some early 2019 spring cruises, but we want to jump on booking ours ASAP once available. Is there a typical time they come out? Thanks to the great podcast. Jim, thanks for finding me here on Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. The answer is yes, there is a typical time. It's not available yet. Usually Royal Caribbean releases its cruises, uh, its next set of itineraries, I should say, in the early spring or late winter, depending on your perspective. Basically, uh, March, April time frame. It kind of depends, but historically, that's when they've released it. So for your fall 2019 cruise, you're going to be waiting probably for uh, like February, March, April, that time frame. Of course, when it happens, Jim, we will post it at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. In fact, one of the first thing we get is a deployment schedule. So we get an idea of when it'll come out. And then eventually, there, and then there's that week where at some point during the week, the actual itineraries come out. And you're probably your best bet, and I, I agree with your strategy 100% here, you're doing the right thing by booking your uh, your cruise as early as you can so you can lock in that, that great price. One of the things you can do is work with the travel agent, Jim. And once we know you know the, the deployment schedule, you, you basically you can tell them, say, hey, I want, I want to book a fall 2019 Caribbean cruise and... You know, you probably have an idea of the ship you want to go on. Although you can wait, you know, for the day of and look through itineraries and whatnot. But the bottom line is, you can have a jump on, and that way your travel agent can can book it for you as soon as you uh, as soon as you're ready to know what you want to book. But yeah, basically you're waiting for, like I said, February somewhere between for for Caribbean to be February or March. I mean, April you start to get into like some of the more exotic itineraries. But based on historical data, based on when Royal Caribbean's done it before, they typically release it in the fall March time frame. So. There you go. And of course, as I said, I think I said this earlier, I think I shamelessly plugged RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, but when it happens, we will have the details so that way you can be well-informed at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our next email comes to us from Cruz and Susan, who writes, uh, regarding balcony behavior, I think I know which email this Susan's talking about. 
Uh, Matt, there are a few balcony cabins other than Central Park and Boardwalk balconies where people may want to have a little discretion in how much they wear slash what they do on their balcony on a cruise. We have cabin 7632, which is the last hump balcony on Independence of the Seas. We could easily see into most of the balconies on those cabins that were just to the right of us, including the woman one deck below who often came out in her bra and panties. We have been in the cantilevered hot tubs and been able to see into balconies right below us when we looked over the side. We had a junior suite on Independence of the Seas and had people wave to us from there when we were near the railing on one side of the balcony. On Harmony of the Seas, our favorite sailway spots were the walkway walkways over the bridge, where again, you can see into the balconies on many cabins. On several classes of ships, I've seen it, like on Voyager and Freedom Class, they have the St. Tropes deck forward on the ship where topless sunbathing is or was permitted. Better to be safe than sorry when than having a compromising picture of you plastered all over social media. Thank you, Susan. And you're not wrong. And this is a good advice, actually good examples of how you want to make sure that if you are going to enjoy the breeze, and I'll just leave it at that, that no one can see you, but don't assume no one can see you because you need to look literally all over, especially when you're near the balcony railing. More inset in the balcony, I don't think it's as much of an issue, but it depends. So make sure you look for your know, up, down, left, right, all over. But, you know, keep it in mind. That's all. And uh, good luck with all that. I'll just leave it there. I'm not even going to touch that subject. Last email from the for this week it comes to us from Steve from Columbia, Missouri, who writes, Matt, love the podcast and website. I'm catching up on old episodes and really enjoyed 177, three Royal Caribbean wishes. I want to offer my three wishes that most people probably won't like. Number one, all gratuities included in the price. I realize this will increase the price of the stateroom, drink packages, chops, etc. With more revenue, Royal Caribbean will be able to pay staff more. I trust their HR department will be able to hire the right professionals who won't let service suffer because they're not receiving tips. And if passengers decide not to tip it, decide to tip additional, those tips will be donated to charity. I borrowed this part from a San Francisco restaurant that went tip-free. Number two, wish. Royal Caribbean staff will, go, will rigorously go after chair hogs. Staff will give chair hogs 10 minutes to return to the chair before moving guest stuff. I'm fine with extending the time a little if guests are swimming or if they have someone in person to stay with the chairs. Wow, for that one... I'm, I'm all for rigorously going after chair hearts. I think 10 minutes is a bit much. I mean, that, you know, if you're going in the pool, dude, you know, I think 20 to 30 minutes is probably that sweet spot. But yes, I agree with the principle of it. And uh, Steve's other uh, wish, better quality pizza option. Out of all the food on the ship, the pizza is probably the only item I would not purchase if it was available for me back at home. Not so we have to get rid of Sorrento's. I just want better quality pizza to be available, even if I have to wait like 20 minutes for it to cook. And am I allowed a fourth wish? Having a partnership with Lego to sell Lego sets of Royal Caribbean ships. They wouldn't be small sets. They'd be three to four feet long. How cool would it be to have Lego Captain Johnny? <laughs> Love it. Now, Steve also included his favorites. Favorite restaurants for breakfast, Coastal Kitchen, lunch, Izumi, Hibachi side, and dinner, Samba Grill. I have to go with Samba Grill over Chops because there are no Samba Grill restaurants like where I live. My favorite drink is a Love Flow Daiquiri. Favorite ship is a Lure of the Seas. Favorite port of call, St. Martin. Favorite song on my iPad, Steve Wilson's Hand Cannot Erase. Stateroom preferences, sweets. We started out the balcony, but we kept on saying YOLO booking it to nicer and bigger grab cabins. And why we cruise. When we first started cruising, it was just for the ports. Now, it's just to be on a Royal Caribbean ship. And sometimes, it's just for that sky-class service. Great email. Steve, thank you for sending it in here. And I, I was nodding my head to a lot of your points. I think you bring up some good options. The better quality pizza. You know what? All I can say, I, first of all, I agree with you. The pizza's not going to win any awards. I can only tell you that I've just gotten used to it over the years. I don't know. I I used to really look shun that pizza. and But over the last couple of years, I kind of changed my tune a little bit. I've been a little more agreeable to it. 
all I can say is after a couple drinks at night, it's not that bad. That's the best I can say about it. But a lot of those things, and a lot of your, I love your favorites, by the way. Very, very good choices all around. Thank you for the email, Steve. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Korean Blog Podcast. If you want to include your email, maybe you heard something here you want to talk about, or maybe you read something on royalkoreanblog.com, or just you have a cruise planned that you want to have a question answered, this is your opportunity to do so. Send me an email, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.